And now, here's your host of Shaping Success, Wes Tankersley. What is up, everyone? Welcome to Shaping Success. I'm your host, Wes Tankersley. Today, we have a great guest here, a college buddy of mine. We actually learned to kind of kick footballs together, and uh, he is currently a professor at Carrington College. We're going to talk a little bit about what he did before that and who he is and, and how he shapes his success. Dan Miller, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. It's good to talk to you. It's good to see you. You know, we haven't, I mean, I think I graduated, I think about this now, like seven, eight years ago with my bachelor's. It's been a while. It's been a while. And a year before that, I don't know if you remember, but uh, we were crazy enough to do a biomechanics course in about three weeks. Yeah. That was the dumbest thing I ever did. I passed, though. You know, the funny thing about that, I... We were taking that in three weeks, and I was taking three summer classes that year. So I was taking, what was I taking? Sports psych and biomechanics and ex-phys at the same time for a little while, and it was just crazy. And I'm a terrible math student, and your degrees required you to take biomechanics. Mine wasn't really necessary, but they made me do it. So... (laughs) It kind of sucked. <laughs> it was rough. But I, I begged that guy to give me a passing grade because I failed and he gave me a passing grade. So I was done. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, who you are, kind of where you're from, and, and then we'll get into kind of your background a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, quick synopsis. I was actually one of the few people that were uh, born here. Um, so I remember this as being a very, very different area than it is now. Graduated Meridian High School 2003. And at the time, I was rocking a 2.3 GPA. And uh, so I did not think that college was ever going to be a part of my future. Um, so I did a bunch of odd and ends jobs, as you would expect, at 18. And uh, settled down at 19, got a job at Cable One, worked there for seven and a half years. And so I was off to a little career, uh, doing some manual labor and all the stuff you would expect a cable guy to do. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because it actually just got worse and worse and worse. And as every year went on, I knew this, this just isn't it. Uh, there's got to be something else calling me out there. Um, and so anyways, I used that as a springboard back into college. And I started off at University of Phoenix, again, still doubting myself, thinking there's no way I'm even going to pass the first course. So let's do this online and kind of test it out. And so I got my associate's degree and I got, it was a 3.8, 3.9 something. And so I thought, okay, maybe. And uh, so then I transferred those credits over to Boise State. And that's actually the only way that they would even talk to me was that I now had an associates from somewhere else because obviously right. my high school records weren't, weren't stellar by any stretch of the imagination. And so they transferred in credits there. Same sort of thing. There's no way I'm going to make this happen. Like I'm going to fail out the first, I'm going to take easy courses like billiards because I'm going <laughs> to fail. Out. And Fun so I courses. took 10. Yeah. So I took 10, <laughs> uh, three, three credit courses in billiards. I took uh, 10 credits that first semester and got A's throughout all of them and uh, slowly kind of gained some steam. And three short years later, going summer semesters as well, um, we graduated. I believe we graduated the same semester. 
I'm pretty and, sure we did. Uh, yep. Then I had applied to go straight into the masters and same, same train of thought. There's no way I'm going to be able to make this work. And, uh, I, uh, had a, had a rough time that first semester. I did get all A's, a couple A minuses. There's kind of a story there um, with a professor that you and I had in undergrad, came back, had her again, and uh, her and I kind of went head to head a few times. Oh, I can only imagine. There's some interesting is. stories there. But uh, yeah, it all worked out. And so got, went from 18 year old thinking there was no way I was going to make it into college to uh, being pretty successful in a career. And uh, realizing that wasn't it, getting back into college. And it was really that work ethic that uh, my dad taught me, that work ethic that I learned in those early years at Cable One uh, that I used to be successful through school. Summer school was no big deal to people like you and I because uh, right. we had worked prior. And it was like, why would I have summers off? I haven't had that since the late 90s. Huh. So yeah. anyways, that's kind of catch up to where you and I met uh, yeah. kind of briefly there. Yeah, and it's interesting because I kind of have the same type of background. You know, I worked at Les Schwab for 11 years. So we're in this manual labor where you're busting your ass every single day. And I was, it, it's interesting listening to that because I'm the same way. It's like, I hated what I was doing. And every year it got worse and worse and worse. And finally it was just like, my knee told me you're done. You know, it's kind of blessing in disguise. I had to have this massive knee surgery and it was like, you're done. So here I am going to orientation on a crutch. I can't bear any weight. And I'm like, this is it. I'm done with this. I'm, I'm going. And I kind of had the same thing. You know, I failed out of college. The, like, I immediately went to college. Not immediately. I guess I took six months off. But then I immediately went to college and I failed like 1.7. So when I came back, I had this new mission. And, and then when I graduated, teaching was hard because... I had the summers off. That was, that was tough. Just like you're talking about. And so people are like, I didn't take a vacation this summer. And I'm just like, I don't need one. I got to make that money. You know, it's like, I, I feel weird not working. So worked for, what'd you say? Cable in seven years. Is that what you said? Yeah. Just a little over seven years, February of 2013 is when I quit. And then you started, you went to University of Phoenix and you got it at Boise State. And now you're a, you're a professor, correct, at, at Carrington. Correct. And are you working on another degree as well? Yeah. So, you know, um, it's funny the way it works out. Go from thinking school's not your deal to being a career student. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I'm in my last class. So graduation will be December. Uh, I'm at Northwest Nazarene working on what they call an EDS which you're probably familiar with. Most people aren't. An EDS is like a in-between degree between a master's and a PhD. Uh Uh, What it's really designed for is educational leaders, um, people that want to become principals, vice principals, a higher education route as well, uh, but without the research component that the PhD has. So you're getting the classwork stuff done. And then when you choose to make that next leap, then it's all about the dissertation and the PhD sort of work. So yeah, I'm finishing the EDS right now. That'll be my fourth degree, I guess. I've taken it the long route and chosen to take all the little degrees instead of going straight to some of the others. But um, eventually I'll get into the PhD, but I'm doing some business work right now as well. <clears throat> a couple of random hobbies that I've turned into businesses, and that's taken up a lot of my time. So I'm going to take a break away from school for maybe a year or so. So you have... so. 
you've sent me, and I know the last time we probably talked because we just started talking again and it's been a while, but you had sent me a workout and I was doing that quite religiously for a while. And then I had to have surgery again on my knee. So I hate that because it's always the derailment, right? It feels like, and it's kind of an excuse because it's like, oh shit, here we go. We got, we had this happen and now, now I don't do it anymore. Are you still doing the training stuff on the side as well? Yes. So, um, by trade, uh, my certification is CSCS, which is certified strength and conditioning specialist. Um, so it's a glorified personal trainer. We work mainly with athletes. Uh, in fact, you among maybe 10 other people are the very few general population. I would say people that I've ever worked with, uh, past that point because it's mainly athletes. So I've worked with a number of high schools, all sorts of different sports. You pretty much name it. Um, I've worked with youth soccer, uh, while I was still at Boise State finishing my master's, I worked with club sports there. So I was working with some college athletes as well. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a big bread and butter side business for me that I'll always, I'll always pair with whatever I'm doing full time. Yeah. And it was great because I remember, I can't remember what class, it, well, I know who's, what class it was. It was a Simonson's class where you actually got to teach us how to do something because you had that certificate. And it was cool because we learned a couple exercises that, we would have never done before. So I still remember yep. doing that. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Uh, long, uh, long circle back. I'm actually going to be filling in for Simonson here, here in the near future. It, he's, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, not that you're odd, but he's a little <laughs> odd to me. Like he just kind of always gave me that. He looks like he should be Australian or something. You know, he yeah. rolls in with those cargo shorts on and then the high socks and the boots. And he just like, he's, He's like a man's man, I suppose. <laughs> he definitely is, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't have much of a gray area at all. And uh, from what I remember, I was one of the few that really liked him, loved him to death. Yeah, but uh, that was not the consensus. <laughs> um, I still remember he probably gave me some of my best collegiate advice. And I went in one time and I said, Doctor Simonson, uh, I don't even remember what the question was, but I presented this question, and he looked at me and he said, Dan. That's a really good question. What does the research say? And I said, I, I don't know. That's why I'm coming to you. And he says, well, now you know what to do. You need to go look at the research, find out what it says, and come back and let me know. So I spent hours in the library trying to answer my own question. And I came back to him, and I mentioned it to him. And he said, that's cool. That's good stuff. And I was like, what was this like mind trick all about, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it's funny because I, I don't take exactly the same approach with my students now, but in that moment I learned without even realizing I was learning that I could teach myself anything. Yeah. And that's, I think one of the biggest problems that we have anymore. It's like everyone just wants you to be spoon fed and it's, there's no actual work in it. And he was, he was, it was like you said, it was just one of those deals. You know, I passed his class. He was a nice enough guy. It just was like, you get some of those professors and you're just like, what are these people thinking sometime? You know, one of my favorite ones, and I think you probably had a few classes from Dr. Johnson, yep. but we had a really big confrontation. And, and Joey, Santa Maria, and I are really good friends. We talked a little bit about that before. But when I took, because I'm a PE major and you had to take these skill classes where you had to teach or you learned and taught volleyball, basketball, soccer, like all the basic sports that you're going to be teaching students how to do. And I had 
Johnson taught my volleyball class. And while he was teaching that, he's like, hey, you know, I'm your advisor and we should get together and have a conversation about your path and where you're going. Because I didn't have an advisor at the time. You know, everyone had, when you're a Canise major, Tina Freeman is your is your advisor for the first two years. And I'm like, okay. So I went and I sat down with Tyler and he told me, he said, he goes, he goes here, I've kind of mapped this out for you. The classes that you need to take when you need to take them. Do you think you can handle that? He goes, I know you have like three skill classes right here. And then you have these other classes that you need to take. Are you going to be able to handle it? And I said, those skill classes are easy. I said, I can handle that. And that was the extent of the conversation. And so we went and we sat down. We just finished our volleyball class. I had passed that with an A because, you know, I was an athlete. I knew how to do that. And next thing I know, we're sitting in the basketball class, which is the next class that Tyler is teaching me. Dr. Bell is in there. Dr. Shimon is in there. Like the whole people are in there. And he said, he like called me out in front of the whole class because I, I made it, I said that it was easy. Those classes were easy. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. You're making an example in front of me because he's like, well, Wes Takersley said this was just easy. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. And I was, I was hot. Yeah. And, um, he pulled me aside and he's like, are you, uh, are you okay with that? I'm like, what do you mean? Am I okay with that? You tell people that you shouldn't call someone out in the front of a whole class and you just did this to me. Yeah. And, and, uh, he apologized to me. And then I explained the context of the fact that, you know, I know how to do these things and the other classes like math that I struggled in were really difficult. So I wasn't going to have problems with the skill classes because I was an athlete, but I was going to have problems with the other classes because I, I wasn't a very good student when it came to math. And so it was interesting. And, uh, he, you know, that could have ruined something real quick, but then he apologized to me in front of the whole class, which, you know, you, you change that respect when someone is man enough to like own up to that or, you know, just take that. So it's crazy how Simonson, you know, made that difference, but that's kind of what Tyler's same thing. He's such a philosopher and you have this respect for him. And then he just kind of, it kind of destroyed me. And then he apologized for it. So Santa Maria and I, Joe was like, we hung out the whole time after that, but he, he was like, Oh, I don't know if I want to hang out with that guy. He's problems. He's trouble, you know? So it it was interesting how that all played out, but that's why I wanted to be a teacher. And it's, it's a little different now because it's not the same. And I think it's different in college because you don't have a choice, right? You're paying for it. Either you pass or you don't. Do you have many students' parents come and talk to you when they're not doing well in your class? Well, uh, legally, I don't. I don't have any obligation to talk to them. Uh-huh. Um, so that's an advantage of teaching uh, eighteen years and older. Um, but no, I have never had a, a a parent reach out in that regard. But the things that you see in middle schools and high schools in this day and age you absolutely see at the college level. And it would surprise because you would think you're invested in this. You're taking out student loans, you're doing whatever. Uh, but it's still, it, it's, 
you know, not to go down a rabbit hole of what societal issues that we have going on, but um, it happens. It still happens at the college level for sure. And, and it's not even age dependent of 18 mm-hmm. to 23. Uh, I see it in uh, adult learners as well. That's amazing because I feel like, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about the two of us is that I feel like we kind of just like we knew we, you know, I, I wasn't, I, I had a 3.0 in, in high school, but the only reason I had a 3.0 was because I got a 4.0 my senior year. And that's really hard to not do when you have like two TAs and your American government class <laughs> and two weight training classes. And, yep. um, but that was the only reason I got a 4.0. But going back, I mean, that had to make a huge difference. And, I, and I'm sure you kind of talked about it a little bit, but you weren't ready the first time, right? I mean, that's, that's probably yeah. the, you know. But going back the second time when it becomes it's your money and you're doing the things that you're doing, do you have a little bit more? Um, Oh, I'm trying to think of what the word I'm looking for, but I know, I know like it makes you feel better about it, right? That you went back the second time and now you're able to just carry on and completely go the other direction. Yeah. And I think grit might be the word or at least in that ballpark. But, um, yeah, when you, a big thing for me was having seven and a half years just under that experience of what real world was like. And no matter how much your dad tells you when you're a teenager, um, you don't know. You don't know till you experience it. And so that fueled me like, I can fail at this in college and go back to that. Um, I was successful in that and they would take me back. But do I want that to be the rest of my life? So there was almost fear based there as well. Um, but because I went back to brick and mortar BSU, I won't so much include my University of Phoenix experience. Um, that was simultaneous to Cable One. Um, but Boise State University, real college, if you will. <laughs> With that, I I saw my peers that were 19 years old that were traditional students and how things just weren't clicking for them the same way that they were clicking for me because they didn't have that perspective on right. what they would have to go back to potentially. And they didn't have that perspective of uh, getting into credit card debt or defaulting on a car loan or something like that. And so it almost, the student loan money is almost like play money. It's not like real money unless you have that experience. And so I took ownership of my education pretty early on, uh, due to the advice of professors that I had. And so, you know, ownership and making it mine and that fear to not want to go backwards. They, they definitely fueled me through that process. Yeah, and it's crazy because it's it's tough. One of the things that's the toughest thing for me was the toughest thing for me to do. Now, I have an eight-year-old downstairs that's, you know, watching a movie on her iPad, so she's quiet while I do this. Uh, yeah. My wife's at a party, so she's not here right now. Um, but uh, knowing that, like, the quitting part was the hardest thing for me at Les Schwab. Like, I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't have a job. I was injured. I got a little bit of money because of the injury that I sustained at work through workers' comp. And I was able to pay for, like, the first year of education without having to worry about it. But just knowing, I think that's the hardest part is that, okay, what am I going to do to sustain myself through this? And now you worked through college, right? You continued. You said you worked at Cable One still while you are going to University of Phoenix. But when that was over, 
you were the strength and conditioning coach at Rocky, right? For a while. How did you get that job? That's, yeah, that's uh, probably one of the things that I can help a lot of people in our, in the shoes we used to be in Uh, and and heck, and to a degree, the shoes that we're in right now, if we're looking at changing careers later in life. But I, I took a very interesting approach. I remember sitting in my cable truck the last few weeks that I was on the job and uh, thinking about what, what fuels me, you know, and I'm a religious guy. So what's my calling? What am I being called to do? And uh, I missed football. I missed football so much. Um, and, and I missed it more than most because when I was a freshman in high school, I was maybe four foot 10 and I was probably 87 pounds. And so I learned physics really quickly that force equals mass times acceleration. And uh, I wasn't going to be able to accelerate at a rate fast enough. I want to stop you real quick here because this is like my favorite story of yours because I'm glad that you're bringing it up. Because you're kind of this ripped dude. When I met you, you know, (laughs) you're kind of this ripped dude. And you weren't small by any means. But you're telling people you're 87 pounds and you were this tiny little guy. So it doesn't fit the... When, when someone sees you, it doesn't fit. So sorry for yeah. interrupting. Continue. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess we need some context there for those that have, uh, haven't met me. And I certainly would not classify myself as that at all. But thank you. Um, but to put, I guess, a little bit of perspective, I'm right around 230 now. Um, and certainly I grew as all boys do in high school. So I was almost six foot when I graduated. Even woke up 19 years old with growing pain. So I grew a little after yeah. Uh, there as well. But anyways, I, I missed out on a lot of football because I just doubted myself, couldn't compete because of my size. And so I, I opted out. And so sitting there in my truck, I'm thinking, how can I help? And during that time in cable one, I'd gotten into weight training and I'd, I'd learned a few things before my education on how to add mass on and all made all the mistakes you could make. Um, and learned from an anecdotal perspective from an application standpoint as well and thought, you know, I know I'm going to go into kinesiology and so I'll be learning the book work as well, but I have this roughly 10 years of experience on how to put some mass on. And so at least the wide receiver group, you know, the, the skinny, the poles of the group, I can help those kids. And so I, I went online and I looked for the high schools in the area that had just hired a new head coach. I figured if I'm going to get on somewhere, that's the best route to do it is get on with somebody that's starting a new staff. And there were two coaches that had taken over at that time. And this was 2013, the spring of 13. Uh, There was, um, I forget his last name, Porter, I believe was his first name, but he was a a head football coach from Parma that came over Uh to Meridian high school. And then also Scott Kreiner, that had come over from the offensive coordinator at Eagle to Rocky. And so I reached out to both individuals. I even reached out to the athletic director of West Ada to see if there were any other potential uh, scenarios where this was applicable. And uh, at Meridian, I was basically given the keys. And at Rocky, that wasn't the case. But they had a coach on staff named Todd Roberts. And uh, he had had a lot of strength and conditioning experience. And I thought, Sure, maybe that fills something in me to get, be given the keys, but in all honesty, I'm not ready for it. And so I went right underneath uh, Todd's wings, and he taught me so much, so much. And uh, I was I was in the door. I was a volunteer coach, but I was in the door quicker than I expected. I was working with kids all summer, 
And uh, second year around with Coach Kreiner, Todd was no longer working with the with the team. Second year around, Coach Kreiner was uh, super influential in my business development. Uh, he said, you know what the salary is for a West Ada football coach. You know that you're talented. You know you have these skills to give. What are you doing? And I'm looking at him like, I don't know what I'm doing, Coach. Like, what are you talking about? And he says, you need to start a business in this and you need to contract and you can start working with other sports at the school and, and other things. So that's how that all started was through him. And so I started contracting with basically every sport they had at Rocky Mountain High School. And I would focus really hard in the fall and, and spring at BSU. And in the summer, I would take a class or two, maybe three. Um, but basically from five in the morning till two in the afternoon, Every day, Monday through Friday at Rocky, I was training some sort of athlete or group of athletes. Um, I even had marching band for a number of years. I had cheer, dance, oh, wow. marching band, baseball, soccer, football, you name it, basically. Um, and boy, do I miss those times. I miss those tremendously. It's crazy that they had, it, as, a, as a PE teacher in Middleton, at Middleton High School. Yeah. If you were in the marching band, you didn't have to take PE. <laughs> we'll work so, around there. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I mean, I know they're working hard out there, but they're not. They're not yeah. working that hard. <laughs> yeah, but to better answer your question a little bit, though, yeah, I did work throughout, but it wasn't even close to enough to pay for schooling. So I largely took student loans, and again, it goes back to that fear. I didn't care what college cost me from a loan perspective. I wasn't going back to where I'd come from. And so it really didn't matter the dollar amount and what I'd have to pay later. I was just gung-ho on starting a new chapter in my life. And it's crazy. We haven't talked a little bit. We haven't talked a lot about, I know that you said that your dad kind of infused yep. this hard work into you. Do you think that that's why you are as dedicated as you are right now? Or is there a little bit more coming from you? Who Who made that change in your life that, made you really think that you could succeed and you could do more than just, you know, splice and cable for a living. Yeah. Yeah. I give my dad the majority of the credit a hundred percent. Um, he's a very traditional, uh, father. He was military for first four years and then he, he did some other things, but he raised us very, um, very military like, if you will. And he was no nonsense. He wasn't, uh, going to fill you full of garbage. He wasn't going to tell you you were special if he didn't feel like you were special. Um, he was just going to tell you what he thought it took to get through that. And if you didn't do that, it wasn't any skin off of his back, but you had to, you had to follow the negative path you were going if you chose that or whatever the case may be. Um, I remember when I quit football, he kind of looked at me in a disappointed father fashion is you and I fathers now uh, inherently have that look built into us along with all the dad jokes that we have. <laughs> uh, but, uh, he looked at me and he kind of just shrugged his shoulders like, okay, it's your path. It's your life. Uh, he obviously didn't agree with it, but it's your path. And, uh, and then through cable one experience, there was a number of people, uh, that really helped me solidify that as well. Um, everybody on earth I'm sure has read lo uh, love languages at this point. And embarrassingly, I am way too committed to words of affirmation. It's number one for me and I hate it. And I've worked in a bunch of organizations that did not give a lick about words of affirmation. And so I had to figure out how I was going to be successful without getting the praise that I, 
I wanted. I wanted to be shown or told that I was on the right track. And so it was just a lot of nose to the grindstone work. And um, I kept reaffirming things that my dad had told me uh, when I was younger. And uh, um, always striving perfectionist, always striving to make him proud. And uh, because he's that tough guy, even, even today, when I go to him, he won't just inherently come out and say, you've made it. You're at the top of the mountain. You've done a good job. He'll shrug his shoulders and say, that's your path. Nice job. Seems like you're doing good. And so if you have a little bit of that perfectionism in you, uh, you could go down the rabbit hole of that being unhealthy as well. There's certainly a negative side right. to it, but um, just that insatiable appetite to keep achieving. Yeah. So what's next? What's, you know, you mentioned that you're, you're almost graduated here with another degree. What, what's the plans after this? Yeah. So, uh, dream job would be, um, university strength and conditioning coach professor slash sort of thing. And due to me being committed to this area, it probably won't end up looking like that. It'll probably be strength and conditioning as my own personal business as it is currently. And then uh, professorship at a university level, teaching kinesiology classes like, like we went through. And that seems to be gaining traction. Like I mentioned, I'll be filling in for Dr. Simonson in the future. So that ball seems to be ready to set in motion there. And uh, I, earlier we talked about before the show, I'd moved away for a little while and right. came back. So I'm in the process of kind of developing contacts and creating relationships with athletes again as well. Um, but in the meantime, since we've graduated, I've had a daughter and she's four and that changes your perspective completely oh, as well. Sure. So uh, I'll coach when she says I can coach, if she's <laughs> interested in the sport, then that'll be the sport that I coach. Yeah. And so it's all about her first and foremost. Um, and just trying to take hobbies that I enjoy and, uh, and spend my time helping people too. Uh, not a lot of people know I have another side business of milling wood and cutting wood. Um, when I lived up in the Cambridge council area, I bought a few chainsaws and, and, uh, learned that I loved cutting wood. And so in the summers I go up with my trailer and I cut down a bunch of wood and I come home and split it and sell firewood on the side as well. So, um, there's a whole bunch of different things that I do, but where is it going to head? Um, a continuation of the things that I'm doing. And, uh, if one day I'm able to move away to a place that's not too big. As I mentioned before, I, I like Boise the way that it used to be, not the right. way it is now. So it would definitely be a smaller community like Missoula, Montana, or something like that, where I could do some strength and conditioning for football, but also teach in their kinesiology department as well. Yeah, and that's 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 the hard part when you have children. It's like, yeah. do you uproot them? <laughs> and uh, yeah, I hope that that works out for you because I think that the, I, I know it will work out for you. Here's the yeah. thing. This is this is the way that I feel about things now, and I never really felt that way now, but you, you get what you put out, right? You talked about positive or negative. If you have a shitty attitude, that's what you're going to bring in. If you have a good attitude, that's what you're going to bring in. And you've set those goals. And I know that w with the work ethic that you have, you know, what little time I've known you, I know that, you know, you're going to make it. And I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. That's why I was so excited when you reached out to me on LinkedIn. I'm like, shit, we got to do an interview. We got to talk about this because that's what this show's about. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. You could be really happy being a logger, splitting wood all your life. But if you're happy with that and you're successful in your mind with that, that's what matters. hundred percent. Yep. And you know, like my example earlier where I said, 
I just started thinking outside of the box on where are the new head coaches. That's that's not something that most people would think of. But if there's a will, there's a way. You're going to find a way to get your foot in the door. You're going to work for free for a while. You're going to volunteer yep. and get your way in. And, and and same goes to you. We're we're cut from the same tree. You're just yep. as dedicated as I am, and good things are coming. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, really, you again, you know, you surround yourself with those people, and I think that. I, I never knew Kreiner. Like I, I, I knew who he was, but him telling you that meant that he saw value and he knew yeah. that you could do more. And those are the type of people that when you do things like you're doing, come around and want to see you succeed and want to see yep. you do better. And that, you know, you can't beat that. You cannot. And if beat you're, that. if you're a perfectionist, a big key is recognizing that. Because when he first said that, in no way, shape, or form did I interpret that as confidence in me. Yeah. Uh, when Dr. Simonson said, that's a good question. Why don't you figure it out? And I came back after having figured it out. In no way, shape, or form at that time did I perceive that as confidence. But in reflection, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you had a little bit of time to spend here and let me interview you. Yeah. I'm excited to get this out for people to hear. Um, you know, most of my guests, I ask them if, you know, if they want to reach out to you, where can they, where can they find you? Is there, are you open for like new training and things like that? Training people, or is it pretty much athletes? Um, and how can people get in contact with you? I do primarily train athletes, but I'll never, re- uh, leave a email unresponded to, uh, if somebody reaches out with help, uh, that's a calling to me. I- I'm obligated to help that person. Um, you might remember in college we had service learning, right? Yeah. And in service learning, the big key takeaway there was no matter what pedestal you get to, uh, what rung of the ladder that you're at, you should always be giving your talents away. You should always be sharing your knowledge and what you have. So I'll never leave an email unresponded. So people can certainly email. Um, I'm not a big social media guy. I've actually recently deleted almost all of my social media. Um, I do have a Facebook that I use probably mainly for fantasy football purposes. Um, <laughs> but the best way to get a hold of me would be through LinkedIn. I was going to um, say, my, that's where that's where I yep. found you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so Dan Miller, MKCSCS, that'll be changing to Dan Miller, EDSCSCS here shortly. Um, but adding that, you know, if you just type in Dan Miller, good luck. You're not going to find me. Yeah, if you type that's, in not that a, MK that's not a common EDS, name. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's a very common name. Shouldn't take too long to find me on LinkedIn and uh, I'm more than happy to help. help. I, I mean, I've helped people in uh, police, fire, EMS, military, all sorts of different things. So again, I won't leave an email unresponded to. Hell, I hadn't talked to you in about four years and I think I texted you and you sent me a workout. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my, uh, uh, my phone number, you know, for um, people that I've went to college with and stuff that hasn't changed in 15 years. So and I don't nice. plan on changing it uh, anytime soon. So that method works for people like us that haven't talked in a while. Yep. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, now you're going to get text messages. Watch out. <laughs> or phone. Well, messages. I didn't give the number away, so I think I'm okay. But yeah, you're uh, good from me. <laughs> oh well, no. Bring bring them. Text that's me every okay. day if you want. <laughs> hey, so the show's called Shaping Success, and I have one last question. This is the question that I ask every individual, because like I told you before, this was stemmed from me getting told when I was in high school that I'm going to be twice. Someone told me they're going to be twice as successful as me. And and I don't, I was just like at, at a 18 year old kid, I'm like, you can't tell me that 
you don't know what I think success is. Right. So I ask everyone what the definition of success is for them. So how do you shape your success? How would you define success? Service. Service for me. Um, and that's changed. That's changed. I really got hung up in uh, how many credits I could knock out every semester or what annual salary I was making. And for both of us, we've chased that and we've learned that it's not fulfilling. And we've learned that, you know, life's got to be better than this. So we change careers and we go down different paths. And um, anybody out there that's as stubborn as me, you're going to make the same mistake over and over and over again. But what fuels me is the service. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I miss work with those athletes um, at Rocky Mountain and a number of other places. Even though the dollar amount wasn't there, you could not get what you get in coaching like you've done baseball. You can't get that anywhere else. Uh, Making an impact on young uh, people's lives. I still have a note in my phone from just random messages that athletes have uh, coached me about. You were a second father to me. You know, things like that. You just can't replace that with all the money in the world. So, uh, again, going back to that service learning, I learned that as well, that service. So, am I providing a service that is helping the betterment of other individuals? That's how I define success. And I genuinely believe, I've seen it in my life, I'll see it later in my life, um, over and over again, the money will follow. You know, we all have to make a dollar amount. Housing market around here is ridiculous. There's there's bills that we have to pay, you know, so that's part of it. But if you focus on service first, the money will come. If you focus on the other way around, you're going to keep falling down. Yeah. I love it. I think that's great. There's nothing better than having an athlete reach out to you and say things like that. Um, I recently had one tell me that I was the best coach that he ever had, which to me was just like, I, I almost started crying. I mean, it's, it's one of those things cause you know, you made that difference. So, well, Dan, it's been great having you. I appreciate you taking the time and, um, I look forward to, uh, talking a little bit more. I appreciate you as well. I watch these very often and the message is fantastic. Thank you for having me. Yep. Thank you. All right, everyone. Well, that is the end of the show. Until next time, I challenge you to find the shape of your success. 